What's good, people? Welcome to the Mind Body Hoops podcast. Whether I'm talking to athletes or authors or trainers, doctors, or anyone else, I'm trying to access information that's just not that accessible, and I'm trying to learn with you guys. So whether it's your first time listening or not, I appreciate you. Thank you for joining the journey, and let's find out what makes an expert an expert. Let's find out what makes a top athlete or a top author or a top entrepreneur, what got them there. And I think we'll find that what makes someone great at their craft makes them great internally and as people too. So a big part of what I'm doing here is trying to bridge the gap between what makes a great hooper a great hooper and what makes a great human a great human. I think the lines are blurred there and uh, let's see if my theory holds up. So I appreciate you guys. I hope you guys walk away with some actionable insights. I know I have in interviewing some of these amazing people. And uh, one thing I can offer you is just find that one thing. Find that one actionable insight, habit, tactic, perspective that can change your life. One small thing you implement that you take away from this podcast will create huge ripple effects in your life. So I challenge you. I urge you. I invite you. I offer you. Find that one thing. And uh, again, I appreciate you guys for joining me on this journey. I'm your host, Max McCoy. And without further ado, welcome to the Mind Body Hoops podcast. This man needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyways. People, I'm sitting down with Larry Williams, a.k.a. The Bone Collector. The Bone Collector, man, I remember him rolling up to my gym when I was younger and just being starstruck and being like, yo, The Bone Collector's here. This guy drops people down with his handles. He's incredibly creative with the way he plays the game, but he's also creative with the way he goes about life, and I think that's an underlying theme with this podcast. He has an incredible approach to basketball, but man, he, he infiltrated a culture. He's in his own way like an NBA player. He's an NBA type icon, and he he went from a world renowned street baller, and now he's now working with NBA players and helping them, you know, add some of his flair and, and creativity in the way he can manipulate a defender. He now helps people with that, and so. It was a really cool opportunity to sit down with the bone collector, pick his brain, how he went from, you know, who he was and and trying to be the best he could be to basically making his own category and now creating a career for himself in something that just didn't exist before he started out. So, man, Larry had a ton of incredible insight. I was really blown away by like his philosophical approach to everything he does. And we come out the gate talking about some deep shit. So I really enjoyed this. I learned a ton and I can't wait to keep learning from Larry the Bone Collector. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with the Bone Collector. You're a streetball legend, man. You're deep in the culture. You're all over the place. When you run into someone or you have a homie you haven't seen in a while or... You're out and about in a public place, and someone's like, "Yo, Larry, what do you do for a living? How do you how do you put that into words?" Mm. Well, when I run into my friends, they ask me, "What do I do for a living?" I always give them a simple moniker: I break ankles. You know, because nowadays social media, that's what you know. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty fun sometimes. But you know, realistically, when I'm asked that real realistic question, I always say, "I work with the I right now I work with the NBA." Oh yeah. Yeah, so I'm. I'm as a consultant and, and as a personal trainer, so when they oh, ask, really? yeah, I let them know those things. And so uh, it's been a long time coming. I'm sure to get to NBA level. For for me, it was more of a blessing than anything, just to be associated. You know, exactly. working with the NBA is fine, but to to be acknowledged by those legends like 
know, the older generation, like the Bill Waltons and the, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's and the Magic Johnsons, for those guys to acknowledge what you do means a lot. What I appreciate so much about what you've done, it's such a, you've carved your own path. Mm-hmm. And it's so different than maybe when you were coming up that this wasn't something that it's necessarily a path you could pursue. It was no clear cut, like, yeah. this is what I want to do. It's, it was like, it took some climbing and some determination and some grit and some some faith I'm assuming yeah. that it would turn out in a way that would be best for you yeah I would say in these situations if I was to you know put somebody in my shoes in these experiences I would say you know struggling and trying to be the best you can be at anything let alone sports it's like being in a dark room and you can only see the floor board lit you can only see what's under the door lit and you pray one day you can go and see what's on the other side when you keep striving and striving in the dark to get there and you're trying to reach it and reach it and reach it and some people some people subside to the darkness they just kind of like you know what this is where I am so I'm and I see where I can go but it's, it seems to like too far away it seems like too much of a push and it's kind of like that with what I've been through because I didn't, like you said, I didn't set a criteria to know that I'm going to be, you know, bone collector when I grow up. <laughs> I, I just knew that I was going to be the best at my craft and I was going to master it to the point where I can teach other people how to use it. So being that that manifested itself into a name, into a following, into a, you know, a movement, faith, all those things that kept it relative are the things that keep it relative to this day. So when I... When I say that, it's like, you know, that struggle and that journey is what kids should know is the fun part. This is great for people to say, hey, I know you, you're ball collector, this, that, and third. But the, the interesting part is all the games I had to play for people to, you know, mention my name that way. I played so many different people in basketball from Iverson to the average person on the street corner. So, you know, those are the things that, you know, that is the substance. That is the treasure. So hopefully kids can get that out of their journeys in basketball. Man, that's hits home for me. And there's like a quote I've been like obsessed with this week. And it was, I'm probably butchering it, but it was to reach new lands. You have to first consent to be lost at sea for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so like, you're, like you said, like you see that light under the door, you got to be in darkness for sometimes a fucking long time. Man. Mm-hmm. And for me, that yeah. resonates hard. It's like, you know where you want to go. You want to get better at your craft, you know, yeah. by doing the craft. Mm. eventually but that faith is a hard part man yeah and, and, and it's really and, hard what you got when you have so uh, social media grows and climbs and decreases so much that you know we don't some kids don't know what it's like to live without their phones you know they don't remember that that time for sure just like there's some times before me that i probably wouldn't remember back in the cold warriors and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah but what i do know about being relative is Things have to always be relative to what you're, you're striving for. So either way, being in that darkness, the good thing about being in the dark is if you're always moving forward, the only the darkness is behind you all the time. So that's what I think kids should all overall. And I, I see what you mean by your journey, too, because this is not you know something that you know you take for granted. You're, you're involved in people's lives. So at some point, you're going to hear some things that may affect yours. And what do you? Uh, what was that light that you saw under the door at first? What was the uh, the small glimmer of hope? Was it just that if you keep getting better at what you do, it'll lead to something good, or was mm-hmm. there some capacity in that you thought like maybe mm-hmm. I can be this, maybe I can be that? Like, well, it started off with uh, that little shining light under the door was the fact that I knew I had some skills that 
nobody had ever seen before. Which were what? Just my certain moves that I just knew no one could do. Yeah. And on the basketball court. And I thought that was my glimmer of light. I said, hey, once I'm able to show that, that'll be the starting point. I can start from there. So, so it became a, a, a matter of just displaying it as much as you could. Yeah. And the mission is always, you know, the mission's always hidden, so to speak. From top secret information, you never see it. So I, I, I approached it that way. So I, when I went to play, I never went out and bragged and said, hey, watch this move. Or I just played hard on both sides of the court. And when I got the ball, I did the move. And then people would come and ask me, hey, man, what was that that you did? I said, hey, that's my hesitation dribble. You know, uh, that's what I use to keep the defense frozen in time a little bit. And then so on and so forth. People started to watch it and ask it, you know. And so that was just a, you know, that's that glimmer of light. Now, the problem I didn't understand is what's on the other side of the door? What's in that light? Are you really prepared for that? Because sometimes the darkness is better than what's on the other side of that door. That's what the problem is. So when you have to learn to balance the two, is when you become, I think you can step into your manifestation of who you want to be instead of what you're assuming people would, you know, associate you with, so to speak. What what part of the other side of the door is is hard to, for some people to uh, handle? Well, even things like just recently we had a rapper die. You know, Nipsey Hussle just died, putting on you know some positive things in his own community. Incredible, yeah. And he dies in front of his store. On the other side of that bright light that he dove from under. I'm not assuming that that's not his direct story, but he definitely came from a dark place to a bright place, you know, metaphorically speaking, and then to go right back into that dark area. So which one was better for him? I mean, you know. For the greater good of all, I try, I like to believe. Yeah. And then, you know, so then we go. He spread a lot of light in the meantime, you know. Yeah. So that's what I mean by the text 22. yeah, you know, and that's that's you know that's one story of I, I grew up in LA, so that's that's happened you know in the last four weeks that's happened twice a week since I before this happened in, in my own personal life. So it's regular to the point where you have to build tough skin. You don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah. And it, do you think uh, there's a correlation between people who've come from that dark side that they, like you said, they put it behind you, and that for a mm-hmm. lot of people that reach a certain level of success, do you, have you found being at that level and associating with these kind of people that they've learned to kind of channel their darkness, channel their mm-hmm. their dark side and, yeah. and make it push through? Now, we, we're, we're giving it a moniker dark side. I'm, let's just say when you have to work and struggle for anything. Struggle, yeah. yeah it doesn't have struggle. to be dark side. Yeah, yeah it doesn't always have to be dark side. I was running with the metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you, yeah, obviously I think it does. It gives those people who were in those struggling positions better understanding because I can tell you every person I've ever lost, it's always changed my mindset. It always changed how I approached it. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's one of those things, especially with basketball, it's an emotional sport, so if you're not spiritually engaged, you're not going to even understand what you're a part of, so to speak. Yeah, it's that yeah. broader perspective. And so you said you wanted to get better at your craft, and mm-hmm. a big part of that craft was that that notorious hezzy move. So and hesitation. How, uh, first of all, how did you get inspired to do that? How did that move even come about in the first place? Well, I learned Break, to walk me through the move, too, if well, you could. Well, I can't walk you through the move because that move is um, trademarked. Oh, I and, got you. But I will tell you that I learned the move from my father back when I was four years old, and I mastered it by the time I was seven. And once I figured By the time you were seven. I mastered it. And from seven to the age of 40, where I am now, I'm, I've taken it to different places, so to speak. I've made it so you can use it in different sequences and so on and so forth. So... 
you know, a best way to explain the hesitation is like if you had to fight Bruce Lee in a fight, but he was just, just as strong as Mike Tyson, how would you fight him? There's you no probably, fighting him. There's no way you could probably figure <laughs> that out, right? You, it'll be a mind. So when you, that's the, that's the thing with the hesitation. Once you get in front, it's, there's a mind thing going on. Mm. Like you're thinking like, how am I going to, once you're thinking about it, you're done already. Yeah. So. And how'd you go about, you mastered it at seven. So I'm, I'm wondering, there might not be much reflection on how you mastered it in the first place, but besides yeah. just doing it over and over. But from there, now, once you develop more, like yeah. how'd you master particular craft of adding it and doing it in such so many different ways like how did that that road to mastery kind of go for you um that was more so um associating my life lessons with what things that i'm was able to do on the court so at the time you know when i when i you know 10 to 17 in la big gang influence the hesitation for me, this is not a joke, it changed to dodging bullets because I was dodging a lot of bullets at the time. A lot of shootouts in LA at the time. So I would, my energy was always predicated on what was around me. So I would react that way. So if the ball, um, I got the ball in my hand, it's almost like a gunshot you saw, fast as I was moving. So it depends, and that mechanism, it's just a mind thing. You totally. tell your mind something long enough. I mean, people eat hamburgers only because they, you know, they look at the TV long enough, they think they like it. Yeah. So you can obviously convince your mind anything. It's so. fascinating to hear you break things down and keep tying it back to the mind. What other aspects of your hmm. game are kind of tied into your mentality behind it? Like shot, no. driving to the hole, the way you play hard, like. Uh, is there anything oh, there? All, I mean, or is the whole package is all just kind of... Yeah, well, I've always been taught everything is 90% mental, 10% physical. And what I chose to do is test those theories. And at 40 years old, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, you know, let's see what it looks like when everything's mental. Let's leave the physical part out of it and see what happens when the mind is completely relaxed and released. So, I, I mean, it's a little outside the box, but I have some things in the next few years that people are going to see, you know, Oh, Lord willing, they can, you know, on this basketball court that are going to change a lot of the ways that basketball is viewed. Mm. So I've done moves in the past where people have asked about, how do you do that? There's a move I recently did called the collect call that is just, I don't even know how to explain it. I can show it to you and you tell me what happened. Um, these are moves like this are, you know, created with this mindset of unleashing the mind, not allowing the body to be the restriction. So mm. if you can say, for instance, uh, rest in peace, Michael Jackson was a basketball player. How will his feet move? Jesus. Like, there's no way to stay in front of someone with your feet all around like that. So why not unlock that? Try to unlock that way of you know, motion, so to speak. Why not try to figure out if you can, you get yourself to turn in the same spot fast enough where the defense has to reach for it, but he doesn't know why he's reaching. You like this move here? I'm going to show you. And it, it definitely connects with my whole brand's vibe of mind-body hoops is that sometimes you have to use the body to access the mind, but oftentimes we're using the mind to access the body, to access our performance and skill set. Mm -hmm. Something I'm trying to study hardcore and seeing how the nature of our thoughts and the nature of our perception and, and what we can do to our brains and how the internal work creates ripple effects for our external. Yeah. So if you're over here working on your mind, it's translating to your to your game. Let's see yes. this move right now. There you go. Check it out. What? Yeah. 
<laughs> you, you just watch it without the audio. Let me watch that one more time. I don't know how to explain it, but this is exactly what I was explaining to you right now. So how many times did you practice this move before you I've only done that move one time. That was the first time you ever did it? I've never done it again. I don't know how I did it. I don't know what happened, why I turned. I just know it was from the theory of I beat that man going left so many times that by the time I put the ball there, I knew I had to get away and I didn't have any more dribbles. So my body had to just do what it what was necessary, so to speak. How did that happen? What a long list of years of playing basketball and working on your skills, obviously, you can get the manifested tools to dribble the ball yeah. strong enough. And But to you seen that move. How did, how did I do that? A lot of anticipation, incredible fast twitch skills. Right. So You see a play manifesting itself two plays ahead. Right. Is there anything you do to uh, – I love habits. Is there any daily habits that you have that kind of cultivate this mindset you have or – or um, is there anything you do maybe on a daily practice to body? Like, what are what are your staples, man? Because my number one staple, I, this is going to sound weird, but I read the Constitution every day. Doesn't sound weird. Why do you read the Constitution? Because it, it's a lot of thing. It's a lot of holes in it, and because there's so many holes in it, I believe that our the foundation of what you you're around will create who you are. So every day, I'm I'm never in the dark. So I'm able to push myself to the highest limit. Because I read exactly what this, where I live is in the United States of America. I just want to know what I'm doing here. And because I know now, it's easy to maneuver through it. Mm. It's much easier. It's almost like being in a fish. What if you're in a fishbowl? You're only going to come to the top to get the food. you know. But what if you knew what was going on around that fishbowl? Certain things you wouldn't eat. Certain things you would do. I like that. That reminds me. There's this guy, Tony Robbins, who says, before you can really win at any game, you got to know the rules. Got to know the rules, bro. You got to know the rules before you can yeah. kind of manipulate the game to your favor. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Is there anything else you do? Huh. Um, Body-wise? Yeah, I work out every day. I work out strenuously. I give myself about an hour a day. It could be something as simple as, you know, because I do travel a lot and, and because I'm always on the go, I, I have a deck of cards that I keep with me. And each um, – uh, face card is a certain amount of push-ups, a certain amount of dips, a certain amount of uh, jumping jacks, a certain amount of crunches. So, you know, that's an easy workout for me. That's Take creative. A, I, and I try to do like four or five deck of cards at a, t- at a day. And Whoa. That'll make up an hour. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. that. That's creative. Mm. You kind of have this creative approach to a lot of things you do, mm, yeah. whether it's business, basketball, working out, and being inspired by deck of cards. Mm-hmm. You have a... Um, and I think creativity is a muscle. And so it's something I try to work on myself. It's like, mm-hmm. if you think of creativity as the ability to connect dots that aren't there, mm-hmm. I guess the more you connect those dots like a muscle, the more you reps you take, the yeah. that stronger that creativity muscle comes. Absolutely. Does that kind of resonate with you, man? Did, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and do you think, mm-hmm. how do you view basketball as an art? Because the way you play reflects that this isn't just a craft, this isn't just a sport, it's an art. So well, how do you try to like represent that in what you do? Yeah, I... Um, I think that my name alone gives it some art, uh, some artsy feel. Bone collector sounds dangerous. Sounds like something you don't want to. You don't want to play against someone named Bone Collector, right? <laughs> it sounds that way. So it gives it this look. You all make think of skulls, and and then on the court, actually, my my skill level. There's a certain thing in the human eye that I know that it happens, and. When, you know, it's the way we read from right to left. All my moves, I make sure that they're done. This is a secret. You do your moves the same way people read. They have to go for it. Mm. 
you know, for basketball players out there across the world, you're welcome. You, uh, it seems like you, you think of things as differently than most people. Mm -hmm. Has that always been the case? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, since I was young. Now, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, yeah, it was different. I just. In a good way, I mean. In a good way. Yeah. I would say with, for, for more so than anything, I, I had a, um, a unique way of, of, uh, assessing information, even when I was a baby, like when I Give you an example. When I was a young kid, in sixth grade, I'm getting ready to go to seventh grade. Excuse me, seventh, getting ready to go to eighth grade. Before you go to junior high, they want to prep you or groom you for high school. So they had something called career day. And I went there and I'm looking around, I'm like, none of these are my what I want to do. <laughs> and so I asked the guidance counselor, is so all of these are all the careers that you, we can choose from forever? Yeah, this, this is it? like a doctor, banker. Yeah, like, this, is, this is it. These <laughs> are all the careers I can possibly do. This is it. And she literally said, yeah, like, this is it. Pick one. And I said, oh, no. Mike, I said, this is absolutely looks like, you know, when you put dogs in a kennel. Like, this is not. It's, that a, is, you it's can't a great tell way me to put it. If I, if I don't do this career, I can't be successful in something else. So. Even though everybody thought I was a little weird for saying it, I just didn't believe that all those things were the only things you can possibly do to be successful or they can be your careers. Yeah. You can't put you in a box. And that, that's reflective from a young age on yeah. career day and then now. And now. You can't call you a, you know, you can't just say you're a basketball player because you're more than that. You can't just say, yeah. you know, you're just a street baller, you're more than that. And yeah. if it's been carving your own path and having that self-belief to like, yeah. Yeah. Again, carve your own path. I, I believe in that, man. Like at a young age, I didn't feel like my options were open either. It was more like, here are your options. Get your degree. It's safe that way. And from there, you're good. You know, like, mm -hmm. so a big part of what I'm doing now and what I'm passionate about is talking to people like you mm -hmm. and making hard to access information much more accessible, like allowing people the opportunity to learn from someone like Bone Collector who did carve his own path. So maybe someone listening to this doesn't feel like they fit a certain box. Yeah. And then coming back to what you said in the beginning, like trusting that there is light under the door and that if you just work on the craft that you feel really that resonates most with you, that it might turn into good things. Yes, I believe that too. I also have a theory, man, that people play basketball and they perform their sport in a way that reflects their personality in life and in business or whatever. Mm -hmm. I looked at your game over and over, man, and I, I just kept coming up with the words heart, scrappy, wants to win. Mm. Explosive with pace. Mm. Does that resonate good with names. you, man? Good, good, yeah. And, absolutely. and how how is that translated to the rest of your life? <laughs> Things like um, heart and being scrappy and, and finding a way to win. Yeah, I've always been scrappy. I grew up in LA. I lived in Harlem. You know, those two places are tough to grow up and live in. Yeah. Um, always have heart. Always, I'm, I'm only six feet, barely six feet, and. I walk into a gym and people automatically say, I don't want to guard him, even at 40 years old. So Man. the heart that I, I just feel like when I get on the court, I don't, I'm not afraid of anybody. Yeah. And then. And how's my, that, how's that translated to the rest of your life? Like business wise and, yeah, and I mean, building your brand. And, right now, building a brand is, you know, one, the hardest part about building a brand is for me right now is the infrastructure. So there's a lot of things that can go along to being, building a brand. So. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I'm going to use those things for business because I, I'm starting to see that business is done a little different. Mm. There's, 
it's more uh, cutthroat than uh, sport oh, in really? regular life. Your life is full of emotion. Business uses emotion to cut your throat. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not to cut, it's literally cut your throat, but I'm saying in situations in, for instance, for basketball, or having heart may not help you in a business world because no one wants to hear about how much heart you have. They want to see your productivity. What product are you bringing in? Mm-hmm. You, know, you do you know, presentation on, if I'm presenting my hesitation as something I think people should buy, they want to hear about how much heart I've had. Well, don't you think it takes heart to get yourself in the meeting, to get yourself, maybe get a rejection and to keep mm-hmm. pushing a little bit? It takes well, heart yeah, to you know, get up every day and, well, and not have a business and to trust that, that a business see, will unfold? From, from you saying that, I would say absolutely, but I guess I didn't have to grow one. I already had it, so exactly. I don't know the feeling. Yeah, and I like to, uh, I hope I'm making you reflect on yourself in a good way, man, because yeah. from the outside looking in, it's, it could, it's clearly special. And so yeah, I appreciate that. I get to do my small job of uh, helping you see that. So, <laughs> and then explosive. Expo- <laughs> hey, I appreciate that compliment, though, for real. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah. And then uh, explosive with pace. Have no. you found that to be helpful outside? That's, helpful with outside of business, or that, I mean, outside of basketball as well. Yeah, that is actually a, one of the most interesting ways I've ever heard my game explained, and I'm yet to see that. You know, I'm on, I think I'm on the cusp of some huge things in business right now. I think you are too, man. And it's cool to catch in this moment in time. Yeah, it's, it's some things are going to change in the next you know year or two, and my whole entire infrastructure will be different. So that is what I'm interested to see. What would you know? Being in you know, one thing I've learned from just athletes in general is once you're popular, once you're able to capture the masses, and you create companies behind that, how you represent yourself is your business so michael jordan sells shoes still since since we've been young he's been selling shoes what is his reputation to bring us his high performance shoe it's what we know him for so magic johnson well whatever you know them for is their business i I personally know him for putting 24-hour fitnesses in la that's what he first, you know, the first thing I seen him do besides Starbucks that. and stuff like that. And he was bringing them into the city. Mm. Um, this is what you remember by, regardless of what the, you know, the mass amount of people in the world are going to remember you for whatever they put on the news. But when you go to those cities, they remember you for what you've done. Yeah. So I figured, you know, LeBron's up next to do that. And then we got, you know, Durant and, and Iverson and all these people are in these positions to do this. <coughs> They're, excuse me, they represent. Their reputation is exactly what they'll be known by. So I'm yet to see, right now I'm known for breaking ankles. Obviously I won't be you know, breaking any companies. <laughs> I hope, hopefully I won't be bankrupting any companies. <laughs> um, I wanna see that, you know, that manifest itself into business. And, I, and who knows, I may even take a different approach. You know? yeah. I'm still growing as a person. So whatever I used to do, I'm very appreciative of the compliments, but there's a whole new person that needs to be unleashed and I'm ready to do that. It's a, it's, it's a good reminder because it is, I think a big part is that that social media age where whoever you are is your business. It's like transparency is everything now. So it's like who you are says more about your business than the business itself sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I say explosive with pace because on the court, I mean, you're incredibly explosive, but then you take time to gauge where you're at. You give 
the defender time to even react because you know those people that are just too explosive yeah. for their own good that they just never stop and then the defender never even like yeah. has to react so mm-hmm. with more- with that pace you're so poised <clears throat> you see how everything reacts you see the shift mm-hmm. and then you explode accordingly so i'm curious to see as well like what you just said your business moves maybe make a big push mm-hmm. but then you also have that maybe that inherent instinct that you're not aware of to mm-hmm. to, to reflect and to see how things shift to see where the market's going and then explode again. According to your theory, I believe everything that's happening is manifestation of that work ethic. I mean, you explain uh, creativity being a muscle. I believe all those things that I've been manifesting for years are bringing these things toward in my direction now. And then it's going to be up to the t- my determination on how I proceed with that. I love that. You've said the word manifestation a few times. What does mm-hmm. that word mean to you? It just means if I tell you I'm going to work on my ball hound for the next month. The next time you see me in a month, I should be dribbling like a maniac. Manifest, manifestation, see it, apply it, finish the job, display it. That's how I see it. So, Bringing something about, yeah, working hard at it, and then displaying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You talked about these guys like uh, Iverson, Durant, LeBron. Was there people that you considered big influences as you were developing your craft? My dad. Back, your dad? Dad's the best player I've ever seen. Really? Mm-hmm. He was undersized, and he, he, was, he played uh, primarily, he was a Michael Jordan fan, so obviously he patterned his game after Jordan, so he was just a ridiculous score. All the moves you see me doing, like throwing the ball between people's legs, he did that to me until I was like 15. Mm. All those moves. I couldn't figure out what he was doing either. So I know your pain, guys. That's special. Yeah. That's special. That's a cool way to also like honor that connection yeah. with your dad is to like carry on his art and you're spreading yeah. it much farther, I'm sure, than he did. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's cool. What kind of impact do you like to leave people with when they watch you play, man? It's like an experience. You're an entertainer, but you, um, al- you also inspire people to get creative. You inspire people to work on their fucking handles. So yeah. what do you like to leave people with when they watch you play? Well, one thing I always want people to remember, um, or I want to leave people with when they play against me, when you come on the court and you play against me, it will be like you just went to Six Flags Magic Mountain, <laughs> for sure. When they play against you. Yeah, it's not going to be fun. It's not, it's not going to be uh, what you thought it was. It's not going to be what you've seen on Instagram. I say it over and over again. If you don't respect it, you will get collected. <laughs> I love that the bone collector but is there anything that you pride yourself on when like there's a crowd watching that there's some kid that's never seen you play before nah. is that not it it's more in the moment one on one you're focused on the game I've done it on too many different stages to to have those feelings any, anymore I feel it's, that it's natural now so when I get the ball I hear the crowd already if nobody's out there mm. If I'm outside in my court out here. As soon as I get the ball, it's 10,000 people standing waiting for me to shoot the game winner. That's my. That's how I felt when I was a child. That's how I felt when I actually was in front of 10,000. And that's how I feel now when I train by myself. Talk about manifestation. You saw it in your head, and now you're making it happen. Making it happen, yes. Is there any common questions you get from, from fans and people that follow you? And um, Most common question I get is, why am I not in the NBA? Um, Fans always ask me to play my one of my close friends, Professor One on One. They want to see me play Professor all the time. Yeah. Um, they want to see me play Kyrie Irving One on One. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that would be. That <laughs> who's would be your a Who's your dream One on One right now? 
Um, one one. Mm, I would have to say my dream one on one competition would be myself, Kyrie Irving, Kimba Walker, Walker, Steph Curry, and um, and Jamal Crawford in one on one three dribbles up to fifteen. Three dribbles. All of us. Because we all got so many different crafty ways to do things. There's going to be a lot going on. Yeah. A That's a crafty going. group right there. Man, there's just a lot going on in that group. I would just love to pick that. You know, me, when that situation, win, lose, or draw, you win. Because yeah. you're going to learn things about your own game that you didn't know. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to, you're definitely going to leave with some on it. You're going to have a different power. You know, that's what you don't, people don't understand about the challenge that you put yourself in. If you put yourself in the highest challenge, you leave with some power, even if you lose, because you've done things within that challenge that you didn't know you could do. Mm. And you're going to see what they are. You're going to be a, you know, critique yourself up against what you felt was your, you know, your, your, something that you wanted to, to challenge, so to speak. So mm. with those guys, ball handling being amazing as it, as it is, um, you know, you, you're going to, Defensively and offensively, you'll pick up some things that'll have change the game forever. So, I love that. And it playing people maybe above your level or at least at a really high level puts a mirror up to you almost. Yeah. Do you have I mean, a? There is no levels for, for basketball though. I, I I think the kids need to understand that. You know, uh, there's examples of you know if you want to say levels, you got to think about it like this. Zion Williams at Duke is dunking the ball crazy. But then you had a guy named Grant Hill who was at Duke who was winning every game, taking him to the national championship. Then you had, you know, Michael Jordan in North Carolina. When he was in North Carolina, he was went on to be the best player ever. But right after him, you had Vince Carter come into North Carolina. So I don't know about this. When people want to put these levels up, I believe that you can't compare things that are incomparable, so to speak. So basically you can't put those, if they're not on the court together, there's no reason to compare them. You just have to appreciate from them for the time being. Mm. And then when they're all in the same setting, the appreciation raises. That's why the NBA has all-star games. You know, yeah. individually each person does look excellent on their own, but when they're all together, some people, sometimes you may not even know certain people are playing those all-star games. Well, in certain games, I'm sure are reflective of like, they need the ball in their hands. and yeah. That's a great point of view just to have. And, yeah, so I don't believe in levels. I am the human all-star game. I am every player in the world every yeah. time you see me. I love that. That, like, for me, is, like, <clears throat> business-wise, whatever I'm doing career-wise, personal-wise, mm -hmm. don't try to compare yourself to someone else because their trajectory is so much different. Mm -hmm. And, like, what you're just saying, it's, like, if you were to measure up Vince Carter and Michael Jordan, same college and their success there. I'm pretty sure they had a lot of fans. Even yeah. both of them did. And, and like their chapters were just different. And like different. Vince yeah. Carter's chapter two is much different than Michael Jordan's chapter two. Like so. Jordan's chapter two was he went to the Wizards and then he played a year and he was done. Vince Carter's been playing in a league for the last 10 years at a high level. Yeah. They're two different. Did he, did he who had the better re retirement? You know? Yeah. And, and statistically, Vince, but you know. Because he's that. still doing it. And that's not to not Jordan. It's just that people are in their space for the time that they're there. So you can see that space, not for you to judge who's, who else should have been there. I, uh, I think that's a good outlook and just like reflexive of what you are. Like 
There's more than one way to do things. You can't put yourself in a box. Don't compare yourself to others. One question I have is uh, in these early eight, maybe not now, you know, you're so experienced and you've played a lot of so many games, but at the early stages when you started to play these higher caliber athletes, not high level, but higher you know, maybe high portfolio, like oh, high end. Caliber. Did you, you have uh, Did you have any nerves before these games? Oh, you always get this. You know, I always get this weird, um, like empty kind of like hurry up and throw the jump ball kind of feeling. Mm. As soon as the game starts, it goes away. But as soon as the game's like getting ready to tip off back in those days, because you got like. You know, playing against Smallberry or Ray for Austin or Jamal Tinsley. You got a whole New York borough standing up. It's called screaming. It's kind of like you're in a movie almost. So yeah. to get these weird butterflies. And for me, it was more so of, man, just get let's get the game going. You know, and more anticipation than than uh nerves. Okay. Yeah, that excitement. Do you still get that? Now I've done it for so long, I'm I like I I like to get um, and say it in a uh, different way. I get that feeling, but it's more of a Michael Myers kind of energy with it. I can't wait till the game is started. Now it's that it's killer like, mentality. Yeah, it's like oh, you better not throw that ball in the air. <laughs> uh, you might as well put the, try to start this game over or something. Mm. That feeling is a good feeling to have because that's the years and years of training, and, I, and my confidence is high on that on the basketball side. If I know that I have to get out there and perform, I'm, I'm super confident and I'm going to do my best. Yeah. What would you say to someone maybe earlier on in the craft where they don't have that years of experience to look back on and those years of successes to look back on? What would you say to kind of deal with those nerves and those moments, those, those big mm-hmm. moments that you know they got to strive for to level up? Like you said, when you put yourself around these great people, mm-hmm. they make you better. And yeah. You walk away, win or lose, you're, yeah. you, you win. Uh-huh. What advice would you give to someone preparing for those kind of moments? Uh, the advice I would give to people that are preparing for those kind of big moments is always put yourself at the end of that shot, at the end of that road, and look backwards from there. So, for instance, if you said to yourself, hey, what if I had to play bone collector? Put yourself in those shoes and look back and say, hey, there's a lot of things I'm going to have to prepare for. Go back and study and say, whoa, hey, I, I got to, you know, this is like, for instance, if I was to say, Realistically, I want to play Kyrie Irving one on one. I'm you best believe I'm going to go watch his last you know 60 days of working out and training. What he's focused on, what is he reading, what is he because it's not going to be an opportunity for me to walk in there and think this is fun and games. If he if he's agreed to play me one on one, he's coming for war, so the approach would be different. So, if, I, if anything, I would say, kids, do your homework because, like in school, if you do homework, you always prepare you to get good grades. Yeah. So, if the, the the, the test that you're trying to take is sports. Prepare yourself with your homework by working out. Keep yourself mentally prepared. Man, that's some good advice. Look from, see it from the end. And I'm thinking like, Kyrie Irving, you want to play one-on-one? I want to sit down and talk with him. I'm thinking, man, I should probably start getting my questions ready. You know, like yeah. I should probably, when that moment does arise, have myself ready and see, yeah. see it from the end. Like what could I have done better? What could I have maybe yeah. come prepared with? And prepare as much as you can, man. Yeah. It sounds like a, another manifestation tool, whether you're, you know what you're saying or not. It's like yeah. seeing it from the end is like one of the most I've read about, like most ultimate manifestation tool and like seeing how you would feel. It's almost like a visualization, visualization. Mm-hmm. Visualization. <laughs> yeah, hard do you, work. yeah. Do you ever uh, use that kind of practice or is that kind of just the way you go about uh, training and preparation? 
I used to read a book by a guy named Zig Ziglar, and he had some of that philosophy, and I think that it rubbed off on me a bit, but I think that, yeah, I could say I use a little bit of it, because what you're witnessing or what you're asking me is me unraveling things I've never told anyone. So I've already, I know, I've already seen the end of my show. I've already seen it, I know what it looks like. It looks awesome too, but I'm unraveling the rest so you know the people can understand why do people want to see me play anyway? Who am I? Who is this person? Mm. You know, when you unravel those things, it gives it a better story. And you know, for those people who support you, it gives them more of a reason to follow and support what you do. And, and it obviously raises awareness because you know you don't have to grow and be somebody. Every human human being is born someone. It's all about the work you put in. Yeah, I love that. And there's a lot to learn from you, man. I think the more people you reach, the better. What is uh, is there? An, not giving away all your secrets. Is there a uh, a north star you're working towards right now? Is there something that you're trying to put yourself at the end out right now? Or um, right now, I'm just really excited to work with these NBA guys on their ball handling, man. I'm, to be honest, that's just what I'm just focused on. Um, you, I don't know about you know the kids growing up. Big shout out to trainers who train NBA players. I believe they have a, such a big job, such a special job. And I'm hoping that I'm up to the bill to do that because I have that opportunity this summer. Mm. And what is uh, what's one of the first things you like to work with with an NBA guy or, or a new client? Like, um, first thing I like to do with an NBA client is to show him his to maximize his, his number one target, and that's scoring the ball. So, if if he's if he's a best, if he's a great shooter, then we're gonna make sure he has you know maximized his ability to get that shot off. Mm. And the most, you know, comfortable situation for getting a shot off would be to distract the eye so the, so you can't see the shot even going up. You have to relax your body, let the shot be released. Mm. So I teach them different ways to relax the person that's guarding on defense with certain ball handling movements. Mm. So that's what I'm aiming for first. It's uh, going hard on your strengths and then finding like a back door. Man, you're creative. Is there anything you could tell me right now if you can say no to this, but is there anything you can tell me right now, a tool or trick that we could use to re- relax the defender? Mm-hmm. I say the easiest thing, guys. Um, I can't give you too much, but I say as soon as you get the ball, a good, good way to remember things is when you read a book, well, how do you read it? Left to right. Then when the person runs up on you, that's exactly what they're going to think in their head. They see you the way they read. You see them the way they you you read and all your moves come from there. And now, if you were to use your eyes as the you're, you're reading him, he'd have to follow your eyes like the book, mm. right? So almost feed into his his tendency, he or she's tendency to read you from left to right. Yes. Almost entertain that idea entertain first it. and then use it against them. Of course, Why? which is why left-handed basketball players you know, just seem to be better they seem to look like good players, even though they might not be sometimes. Are they more like mentally awkward to guard in that? Yeah, you don't, you don't, you're not used to. They're, they're obviously dribbling and moving in a different area because they are. The world isn't made for left-handed people. Hmm. The world is made for mostly righties. So they they learn how to play different. They're on a whole other side of the floor. They're finishing on a whole different side. You know, relatively, you don't really, you can't really relate. So. Is there anybody doing what you're doing right now in terms of training and the way you break down the game? I'm not sure. I, I don't I don't know what the other guys are doing, but yeah. 
Don't compare yourself. Yeah, I don't really know, but I'm ready for war. I'm ready to see these training camps and what they're doing in them so I can go and challenge the guys that they got and see what, see what makes sense like old ninja masters used to do. I feel that. Man, it's been super cool to uh, pick your brain, and I'm glad that you said that I got to help you unpack some things that maybe you haven't unpacked in a while or maybe ever. Yeah. Because it's, co- it's cool to see you from outside, man, and see, I'm sure it's very easy for me to like paint this picture of you, but to hear the story behind it, mm-hmm. philosophies behind it. I appreciate that, man. You are super creative in how you do things, man, and, and you you inspire people to carve their own path, so I appreciate that. One question I like to close out is, I'm only 24, so I'm young, and assuming your life panned out perfectly, and assuming everything happens for a reason, which I believe in, to get you where you are right now. If you were to look back on age 24 and Larry's journey, mm. what would be a piece of advice you would give your 24-year-old self? Um, don't think with your, with your physical being. You let your mind guide you. Don't let your, the physical part of your body, your, your life, guide you. Let your mind move. Don't react to your, what your friends are doing or what the ladies are doing or what your homies are doing or what's popular on the internet, what's going on in trending, what's going on here, and how does this person react to this shoe? What are they like over here? What are they eating? Let your mind guide you. Yeah, that's what I would give advice. Almost trust your instincts. Even deeper than that, let your mind guide you. Because the right thing to do is always in your mind. It's never in there. It's always there. That's what you believe in God. I love that. That's a great piece of advice. Is there anything I missed? Anything you want to leave us with? Uh, I just want to thank you for having me, man. I'm, I'm not often I get a chance to express the things that I, the mechanisms and the things I do to get my craft done. So thanks for having the platform to do something. I love it, man. I appreciate you. No doubt. Until next time, brother. Peace. Thanks again to Bone Collector for hopping on the podcast. And thank you guys for listening. If you like the podcast, it means the world to me if you leave a rating and a comment on the Apple iTunes app. That helps me get new guests. That helps me um, maybe attract sponsors in the future. And that helps increase my credibility in the podcast space just a bit. So if you could just do your small part, leave a review. It means the world to me. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I've mentioned this before. If you're interested in starting a podcast of your own, me and my podcast producer are currently helping a couple people launch their own podcast. So if you're interested in using this medium to spread your message farther, definitely hit us up and we could help you out. But that's about it. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you guys on the next episode. I love y'all.